yum nub. Reach out for yum nub. Hello and welcome to Yupcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie, and this is Red Five. I need help. My name is Matt. A rock? These little bears are nuts. <clears throat> Today we are um, filling our obligation to do an Ewoks episode because Matt rolled a one on the D20 uh, the last time we recorded. So we are going to be talking about the season one, episode two. Oh, sorry, uh, episode two of season one of the Ewoks, The Haunted Village. This uh, originally aired in, on September 14th, 1985. Yes, we are slaves to probability and the game that I set up for yes. Clone Wars reviews. So this is not us. This is the universe telling us to watch this episode. Mm-hmm. I do want to apologize for my voice. I am getting over a cold. Yeah. So I'm going to sound like uh, a deep, a deep baritone. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is there probably is already a version of this uh, episode um, somewhere out there that was never released. We recorded a bunch of these, um, and then we just we just kind of fell off the map for various reasons. Um, so we're just we're just redoing them because all the references will be so out of date. You know. Like, yeah, I mean they'll be released on our bonus DVD. Um, Blu-ray streaming service. Yes, uh, or, uh, our oh, our 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 uh, Patron, Patreon, Patreon, or you could just buy us Patron. That'd be cool too. Uh, if we set up a Patreon, I promise all of the money will go toward buying alcohol, <laughs> including Patron. <laughs> when, um, what, what, like one of the like first times I got like I had like my. A paycheck from one of my first big boy jobs i w- went on drinking with our mutual friend and um how these older women were like oh, let's do shots and like and then they like i was drunk and so like oh yeah okay all right i'll get i'll get a shot then we want patron and then our my friend's like he just grabs me he's like nope because <laughs> I, I was drunk and i had money for the first time nice yeah apparently i didn't have patron money buying a bunch of cougars patron <laughs> Oh, I must have missed that. <laughs> I was probably already out of town. Yeah. All right. Um, before we get too far down your cougar hunting techniques, <laughs> <laughs> you're a scout leader. You got to teach those kids how to hunt cougars. Um, that is not a uh, that is not a merit badge. There are mountain lions where you live. You got to fight mountain lions, right? E- true. All right. Well, before we get down. To into the weeds about your dating prowess. Um, I thought maybe we could just have our regular conversation about any Star Wars stuff you did this week. Did you get any time to do Star Wars? I know you just got back from camping. Um, no, no, no new Star Wars other than just the the recording of the the Bad Batch episode, where um, where we just um, we broke down the trailer and we actually kept it to a uh, we kept on track. Uh, but I just, yeah, I just have not done a whole lot of Star Wars other than just, like, I don't even, like, read rumors and stuff anymore it's just because it's so uh, so annoying. And, and a lot of the, the bigger names in Star Wars, not bigger names in Star Wars, but, like, the bigger online names, they're just, it's just, out, they're just outrage factories. So I've just, I don't, so I guess I'm just waiting. Yeah, I mean... The quote-unquote Star, Star Wars influencers or personalities online, they're all garbage at this point. Mm-hmm. Except for concerned. us, of course. Well, yeah, we're, we're the cure. 
right? We're we're not the problem. We're the cure. Yeah, just like uh, just like um, um, just like Sly Stallone and Cobra, crime is is a disease. He's the cure. Yeah, let's keep let's keep referencing Sly Stallone and Cobra. I want that to I be will. a recurring bit. <laughs> I will. Jesus. You know, I get to edit these. Yeah. Oh, I should like do like. Like if, if I didn't want my face plastered everywhere, I would put like a, um, oh, we could put, do put like the the cobra thing, except have Yub cast uh, an Ewok like over his face and like, <laughs> like someone do, someone do that for us. Yes. Um. But no, I will. I I grew up in the '80s, so I know all sorts of like stupid '80s uh, uh, references. My my mom was very um, my mom was very young when she had me, so like. Some of the decisions she made about like what movies I should watch or could watch were a little questionable. So, yeah, we were both latchkey kids, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I like, watched, I watched Alien when I was like six years old. I, I uh, what? Um, I asked my mom if we could rent the Toxic Avenger, and she said yes. <laughs> I, that was like middle school. <clears throat> Yeah, trauma. Whatever happened to trauma? Do they still exist? Yeah, they still exist. I remember the the two movies that messed me up as a kid that I shouldn't have watched was um, Alien and The Wall. I really shouldn't have watched The Wall when I was like six or seven. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I had nightmares about The Wall for years. I like that soundtrack though. Yeah, I um, I was hopped up on cold medicine. Uh, while watching it, um, not, not not doing it recreationally, I was just super sick. I was gonna make a joke, but okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, for me it was uh, Return of the Living Dead. Um, that one too. Um, where where I where I grew up in the mid, in the Midwest, uh, there's basements, and um, the stairs to the basement in this house we were renting. They didn't have. I think it's called kickers, which are like the the vertical part of right. the stairs. Yeah. And so just anything could like be under there and grab you. And I just remember like it's called like the the tar man from um, Night of Living or Return of the Living Dead, where he's just like the zombie that's just like all black and oozing and just saying brains and just scared the shit out of me. And it was so hard to like go down the stairs because it's not like a. Pl- it's not like one of those things where you could just like turn on the light, then go down the stairs. You had to go down the stairs to get to the light. Yeah, houses used to be designed by horror movie directors. <laughs> yeah, and so I was just waiting for like something to like grab me. Wow. That, yeah, that movie was is another one on my list that I saw probably way too young. My stepfather, um, he loves horror movies, and he didn't have. He didn't have like a good instinct as to what kids should do all the time. He's a great guy, but he's like, like you're six years old, and he's like, he's like, I think you really like Alien, like, you <laughs> like science fiction stuff. It's like Star Wars. It's like scary. <laughs> yeah, except for C-3PO tries to tries to kill Princess Leia at one point, and uh... man, that I know this is Aliens, but when Bishop gets ripped in half. Um, I think I saw that movie like a year later when Bishop gets ripped in half. I fucking flipped out. I, I thought that was like the most graphic thing I'd ever seen. 
up until that point. That also fucked me up. I'm trying what to a think. great movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think because you're how old was I? Because you, I am five years older than you, so I, I I would have been in middle school probably. I remember going to see that movie in the theater. 1986 for Aliens. So you would have been 11. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's... I would I would have been six in the theater, but we saw I saw it on home video, so it was probably a year or two later. Oh yeah, the old days when we would rent a big. Um, now, this is really dating me, um, where you would rent a VCR from the, the video store, and it would come in, like, this humongous case, because VCRs weren't, like, big back then. Or they, they weren't, like, they weren't small. And they were just, like, this, this humongous thing that was, like, almost like a, one, of those, one of those super expensive gun safes, or gun uh, cases. Um, I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we just rent rent a ton of really bad movies. Yep, my mom was very forgiving as far as like violence and stuff, but like at a certain point, like if there's graphic sex, she eventually was like, "Okay, nope." Man, growing up in the '80s, wild, wild times. I remember my, my mother was upset about how much sex was in the movie Big, <laughs> and I guess there's I watched it with my kids, and I'm like, I, I don't have the same hang up about it that she does. And I was like, I just remember when I was a kid about how upset she was that there was any sort of sex in Big. And there isn't, right? Like, you get some, like, under-the-bra stuff going. Mm -hmm. That's it. I was like, there's way worse sex in, like, Fast Times Richmond High and things like that. Oh, yeah. I, I remember getting to see, like, the, the, the movies I wasn't supposed to see, like, at, at like, my babysitters because my mom worked uh, for the local newspaper. And... Just things like Porky's and all those type of movies where there's like uh, there's always an obligatory like boob shot. Yeah, those movies I'm sure aged great. <laughs> I'm sure they did. There was this I saw like a college humor thing once where they they replay they they redo the um some some scenes from Nerds, but with like modern sensibility. And so they were talking about, like, how, like, he had sex with her with, like, a Darth Vader mask on. And he's like, so you raped her? <laughs> he's like, no, no, it was a prank. He's like, but you didn't get consent. Right? She didn't know who you were. Like, that's rape, dude. And he's like, it's not rape. <clears throat> like, those movies age terribly. Yeah. Is the bottom. All right. Where, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's the 80s. Because it's Ewoks. Ewoks came out in the 80s. Right. See, I, know right. We, I know we did this a long time ago. But I, I tried to look up today because no one I know what what episodes get downloaded and which ones don't. No one's listening to our first dozen episodes, and you shouldn't. The audio quality is terrible. But do you know what two cartoons Ewoks was released against in the 1980s? Oh, um, My Little Pony and Care Bears or something. I don't know. Uh, it was up against the Muppet Babies and the Smurfs. Oh. Oh, I was going to say Smurfs was like, no, that's too Smurf and obvious. Too Smurf and obvious. Yeah, so this they had the same time slot as those two shows. And so this is this is their competition. And this show just didn't do well um, in the ratings at all, even though it was super expensive to make. But we'll get, in, we'll get into the trivia stuff about the show later. I just wanted to throw that out there since we're still talking about the 80s. Um, any other movies you, we should talk about? <sighs> No, I could, I could talk uh, bad, uh, bad eighties movies forever. But here's uh, 
here's my 80s memory of a movie night with my stepfather and my younger brother, who was four years younger than me. I think I was nine. We watched Aliens, Enemy Mine, and Dune. Ooh. On a weekend, my mother was away. I think she was <laughs> off interviewing for medical school or something. And my stepfather was definitely the type of guy where he's like, like, oh, I'm a solo parent. Let's order pizza and watch a bunch of horror movies. <laughs> And if it's not clear to the audience, the Dune was the um, Sting version of Dune. Uh, with, with like the – where he's in like a uh, – he plays uh, Fade uh, – I can't pronounce the name, but he plays the Harkonnen, and, and, yeah. and he's in his underpants at one point. Yeah, for a lot of it. <laughs> mm, the spice must flow. Spice must flow. All right. Um, since we're still talking about what we did Star Wars this week, technically, um, I also had a pretty light week. Like we were talking before we started recording, my wife was out of town. She was she flew to the Midwest to help my her sister, my sister-in-law, who's moving back to our area. She's moving into an apartment about a mile away. Um, so she flew out there, helped her pack a moving van, and then started driving back. So I've been a solo parent for half the week. But I still finished an audiobook called Deceived, which is still in my my I'm doing a bunch of legends um, audiobooks this year to try to catch up on my legends continuity. And Deceived is a Darth Malgus novel. Because um, so I'm doing them in the in universe canon order, not canon, but in universe order. Mm-hmm. And so there was Into the Void, which takes place like thirty thousand years before, and then there was Revan. And now there, then there was Deceived. Do you remember the KOTOR trailer with Malgus in it where they crashed the ship into the Jedi Temple? Oh, yeah. So the book is basically nine hours about that trailer. Oh, wow. It like really digs deep into every single character that appears in that trailer and stitches together this plot about Malgus and the politics of the Sith and everything. It is... It, they there's literally they watch the trailer like 20 times in the book <laughs> because it's like they have security footage of the attack on the Jedi temple. It is not my favorite book. Pretty good though. Um, especially if you like Malgus and KOTOR in that era. So I recommend it, but that yeah. is what it is. It is them describing that trailer over and over and over again from every angle possible. Yeah. I didn't get too far in the, uh, the old Republic, um, games because uh, i have a uh, mac at home and like the windows machine i have really uh sucks so i i wasn't really able to play it all that much i i got to a i i played i played as like a sith like as like you can play like as like the a sith sith like the the race um and I, yeah i didn't right. get too far but it showed you a little bit into the into the uh, um it gave you a little. I, I got a little bit of a glimpse into kind of like the Sith. Um, I don't want to say organization, but just like just how things are, like in the Sith, being a Sith, and it was just a lot of it was just like, um, just like any organization, except people delighted in fucking each other over. Yeah, I mean, this book had a ton of Sith politics in it, and I found that interesting um, for a little bit. Then I was like, okay, they're just going to betray him again. And he's like, "Yep, he did." It's like mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard to imagine a society where everybody is stabbing each other in the back all the time, accomplishing anything. But I guess they're just super powerful individuals. So 
groups like that don't last very long um, unless there's some sort of DSS, DSX machina sort of thing um, keeping them in power because they'll always end up because they always have to watch their back and that kind of goes into why like Darth Bane made the rule of two because there's only like there's, there's there'd be only two instead of constantly I mean the master would have to watch for the apprentice but that's it there's no constant like fucking each other over right it's, the, it's way more transactional at that point than backstabby right because yeah. your apprentice isn't going to be able to kill you until he's ready he's ready right or they're right. ready yeah like I I, I like that. I like the the original trailer where they introduce Malgus and then and like he kills his master. I, I thought it would have been better if like the the master was like like the master is dying and then like he's about to kill his master and it's like I'm glad it's and the master says something like I'm glad it's you, just showing that he like like he's a full like full like believer or something. Instant, um, just like the master is proud that like his apprentice is finally killing him, or found his. His master, uh, his um, apprentices become stronger and able to fulfill Sith, whatever bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love all those trailers. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, they just needed to make a whole movie in that style. Oh yeah, pe- I know people have. Um, They've escaped, Master. You failed. No, Malgus. This is only the beginning. Yes. After a thousand years, Korriban is ours again. Welcome home. Yeah, and it was weird having the guy who has like the um, the, the Han Solo type, who's got like he's wearing like a crocodile Dundee hat, who's uh, voiced by uh, John DiMaggio. Is that his name? The voice of Bender. It's Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio. No, that's the that's baseball player. Yeah, it's DiMaggio something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John DiMaggio, yeah. Yeah. All right, should we get to it? Because I know you want to... Yeah, yeah. You're not feeling too well. I'm not going to keep you. Yeah, so so we can we can transition to the show. We are the E-D-E-E. Spinning his spirits from the forest grow. We are E-E-E-E. Like we said earlier, today we're doing, because of the... Cruel Rules of Probability. We're doing Season 1, Episode 2 of Ewoks, The Haunted Village. And it originally aired on September 14th, 1985, so not that long ago. Only yeah. 40 years ago. What's that? Uh, so, yeah. I, um, I was actually able to get a good, uh, lot of good drops uh, from it. I mean, I could have like really gone overboard, but there was just a lot of, uh, a lot of fun things that I could, ha- could have fun with. Are you going to put them in the show? Hang on, Nita! I'm coming! Hang on! All right. <laughs> You're like an AM shock jock right now. Here I come! Whoa. And you do lot brain lurdo. That's probably the most you can you can cut out all those other ones, but it was just like, just like wow, there's so much like the 13 year old boy that lives in my brain was like, this is funny. 
um, Wicket and Nisa do end up together, and they have Monkling, so he definitely comes. <laughs> yeah, because, like, something like... Come on in, you guys! <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> hey, they're teenagers! <laughs> My pouch is full. <laughs> I forgot the here's, here's the fucked up part. I watched it three times tonight. And the second time I was watching it, I heard the my pouch is full line. And I was like, was like oh, I hope Jamie makes a joke about that. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> this is the only ones I have. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we got those out of the way. All right, no one's listening anymore. That's fine. As long as they downloaded it, that's all I care about. <laughs> They're gonna go, go into regular rotation. <laughs> okay, that's the worst one. <laughs> all right. I, Up I, top. I, I had to. I had to cut a lot of them down because I kept on missing it. So I had like I have like a bunch more, <laughs> but like I, I cut them down to where they're specifically horrible. <laughs> yeah, they, it's good. It's good to have a project. Yeah, this is my contribution to to, to the Yubcast brand. That's going to get us celebrity endorsements and a panel at the next celebration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our Ewok next... mating patterns. Yeah. Be on that Star Wars ologies show. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. So, I'm moving on. All right. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, get I'm, gonna on... do, I'm gonna do the casting crew real quick. Oh. Okay. 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 Right. So we don't do these very often, and so I was going through the casting crew, and I just want to highlight Paul Dini today. I'm pretty sure we've talked about him in the past before, but no, like I said, no one's listening to those early episodes of ours. Paul Dini is the writer, basically the writer of all of the Ewoks episodes and a few droids episodes. Um, he also wrote three episodes of Clone Wars, um, and they are Cloak of Darkness, Holocron, Holocron Heist, and Voyage of Temptation. So he does get to do some Star Wars work later. And he wrote, most recently, one of the short stories in the, from a certain point of view book called Added Muscle about Boba Fett in A New Hope. So he's still around and doing stuff. Um, Paul got his writing start um, writing for Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Oops. Um, <laughs> Mighty Mouse and the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. He wrote for Mr. T and He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. But but what he's best known for at this point is he was the lead writer and developer for the Warner Brothers Batman series in the 1990s. And this was mandatory television in my house when I was a kid. Oh, Yeah. My brother loved this show, and I watched every single episode. And then when I had kids, he sent me his DVD boxes so I could watch all of those episodes with my boys. It is wonderful. Um, and I just want to point out that I did appear on another podcast last year called the Penny Bloom Podcast, where we discussed Paul Dini in greater detail when we reviewed the Batman animated movie Mask of Phantasm. That show was actually recorded the same week that Kevin Conroy died. Kevin Conroy was the actor who played Batman in all of those shows. And I just want to point that out so people can go find that podcast and listen to that episode. 
because we really discuss a lot of animation trivia about Batman, Kevin, and Paul. Um, any thoughts about Paul? Uh, uh, no, I, I don't. You've really distilled his writing um, contribution down to an Ewok orgasm. Come on in, you guys. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no? All right, moving on to an actor. Um, one actor I wanted to highlight in today's episode is George Buza, and he plays Chief Chirpa in the first season of Ewoks. George started his acting career on the TV show Kung Fu in the 1970s. And then he sort of, he has a bunch of credits, but really only appeared as a, as a TV actor. He's got a bunch of credits, but he appears in one or two episodes of dozens of TV shows in the 70s and 80s. And then he gets his VO job working on Ewoks, and he plays characters in droids and Ewoks. He appears in all 13 episodes of season one of Ewoks. And then he goes back to being sort of a background actor in shows in the 80s and 90s. Eventually, he gets a reoccurring role on the cartoon Babar, also a Nelvana product, because this guy's Canadian. And then he appears in the 1990s on a show, on 64 episodes of a show called Maniac Mansion, which I don't know what that is, but he was very popular in that show. Hmm. Um, he appeared in the Kung Fu reboot in the 90s. Did you ever watch that David Carradine Kung Fu show? Uh, no, I, 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 I never... Oh. I probably watched like one or one or two, but I just it just seemed s- silly, and I and I was kind of stuck up at the time. So what do you want to do? I want to take you out to dinner, and then I want to go back to my apartment and watch kung fu. Do you ever watch kung fu? I love kung fu. Channel thirty nine. Totally. You should come over and watch kung fu tonight. Okay. Yeah, I never, I never watched it very much. I watched the reboot a little bit. I never went back and watched the 70s version. So anyway, George George kept having these little parts and shows. And then in the mid-90s, he um, started doing the voice of Beast for the X-Men cartoons. And then he did hundreds of those. He became best known as an X-Men voice actor. Um and this, this X-Men cartoon in the mid-90s was also mandatory viewing in my house. I loved the X-Men back then. I collected X-Men comics and uh, Spider-Man comics uh, in the mid to late 90s. So I loved I loved this. Um, after X-Men, he did a bunch of TVs, TV shows again. He was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids TV show. Um, but he still does a lot of VO work, and he's one of the main characters on the Beyblades cartoon. Which I refused to learn anything about Beyblades, except the my, two times my kids brought it up, I said, we're not doing Beyblades. Oh, my, um, well, I had that for, like, a long time, and then eventually, like, somehow my, my son got some Beyblades, and then we ended up getting, like, this thing that's, like, this big dish where, the, like, uh, they battle, and then my daughter got some, and then, then I learned all about it, and it was like, like one, two, three, let it rip, and then you pull this cord, and the Beyblades fall, and they spin around, and they smash each other. And um, like my son and my son, actually, like into like seventh grade, he like started a Beyblades Beyblades club at his uh, junior high. It I was just like, oh boy, oh god. But luckily, it didn't last. It didn't last that long, and no, nobody really gave him a hard as much a hard time as I thought he would get. I mean, it was a phenomenon for a little bit. Yeah, 
but they um yeah they're uh all the Beyblades are gone now. <laughs> we were we were on a, a family vacation with another family and we vacation with these a few other families in our area. They all have boys the same age as my my kids. They're all good friends. So it's easy to be like, Hey, you wanna go get a cabin someplace and it's got like six bedrooms in it. And we were out, out at one of these vacations and the older boy of the other family was trying to explain Beyblades to me. There's like different types, like Pokemon. He's like, he was like, oh, it's like a Shatter type and like a Speed type. And after two or three minutes, I was like, I'm not listening to a word you're saying. Like, I am not going to learn one fucking thing about Beyblades. I will not. Like, these things will be gone in five years, and no one's going to understand why people thought fighting tops was a good idea. So, sorry if everyone's a fan of Beyblades. I don't get it. Our our neighbors, their boys are about. Well, the youngest one is four years older than than my son, and so like we would get like hand me down toys from them, and he and um my my son was just well he just for a while that he just kind of like worshipped them because they were so cool. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying my personal stance about Beyblades isn't telling anyone else they shouldn't enjoy them. But I did all of the Pokemon stuff. I did all the Star Wars stuff. I did all of like the I so many different fandoms, like the Percy Jackson stuff. I did all that stuff, and I'm like, like I am not learning another fandom. I I tried my son. My son read all the the Rick Rick O'Riordan books. I tried. Is it Rick O'Riordan? O'Riordan or Rick Riordan? Uh, well, which, whichever he is. Uh, I tried yeah, reading. I got through. I was able to get through maybe like the first few chapters of Percy Jackson, and then I just shut it and i'm like i'm not reading this this sucks <laughs> i didn't i did not care for it at all like there's so much so much demand on your attention right and so there's like lord of the rings and harry potter and all this other crap right and i had to draw the line somewhere mm-hmm. i'm sure Beyblades, blades Beyblades are fun i'm not judging anybody for doing it but when it came to my house i was like i'm not doing this not at all yeah, it wasn't like I like what, for a while we went like bananas with Paw Patrol, like, like, like just like, um, like during my lunch break I would run to a Toys R Us to see if they had like um, certain ones, but like Beyblades is just like, eh, whatever, let them do it. We, we didn't go like super crazy trying to find every special one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the other thing. It's like people get completist about stuff. And I, I, I do it too, right? But not for Beyblades. Yeah. All right, enough ranting. Um, do you want to go on to the plot summary? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so show opens up uh, in the forest city of Bright Tree Village. Uh, Wicked is chasing Nisa, and uh, they go down the this chute to the uh, Sunbury Patch. And um, <clears throat> that's where some of the drops come from. But um, all of a sudden, uh, they're playing when this uh, giant flying creature swoops down. Uh, it kind of like blocks out the sun and grabs two of the sunberry bushes. Uh, Nisa is tangled up in one of the roots and is carried off by the beast. Wicked jumps off a branch, catapulting himself up to Nisa and pulls her down to the ground. They are safe, but the two sunberry bushes are gone. Wicked says they need to warn the others. And we find out that these flying beasts are called um, manticores, which I, I, I'm sure is a play on um, manticore. Probably. Yeah. They uh, sort of look like a pterodactyl. Yeah. 
we'll talk a little bit about them later, but that's what that's what their design looks like. So, if we're looking at Wikipedia for them, they're also called the Condor Dragon. So the, um, I, I, I'll, I'm going to read this next part, and then I'll say. So uh, back at the village, Logre is watching a spinning top and sees Morag commanding the Mantigrew to return to the Ewok village and destroy all the bushes. Wicked and Nisa see the projection, and they say the, they saw the beast stealing the bushes. Logre and Chirpa tell the kids of a so, uh, the, the story about a time uh, Morag used the Manticrude to destroy the crops, and many Ewoks died without their sunberries. So, this whole this whole thing sounds like it, it reads like a like a commercial where they're trying to keep the Tricks Rabbit from getting their tricks or Lucky Charms, whatever. It's it's very weird, kind of. It um it makes sense at the same time. It's kind of like uh weird like they'll get like i guess they'll get like scurvy or something and die if they don't have their lucky charms i mean sorry sunberries yeah so this time there was a bunch of cartoons like that had these like special foods for the main characters i guess like the smurfs and the smurf berries and the gummy bears and the gummy juice or whatever they had and somebody trying to steal that thing from them but honestly the thing that popped in my mind tonight watching this was the lysine contingency (laughs) Like Jurassic oh, Park. Yeah. Lysine contingency is intended to prevent the spread of the animals in case they ever get off the island. Dr. Wu inserted a gene that creates a single faulty enzyme in protein metabolism. The animals can't manufacture the amino acid lysine. Unless they're completely supplied with lysine by us, they slip into a coma and die. It's like maybe maybe he walks for like a genetic experiment, like gone awry. Like someone mm. tried to clone Wookiees and end up with Ewoks. And they have to eat sunberries all the time, otherwise they slip into a coma and die. Um, or it's used for male enhancement, and then they just go crazy and kill each other. Or there you go. <laughs> like I can't. Keep, um, I'm I'm trying to be less grotesque uh, after I did all that. <laughs> You're trying and failing. <laughs> but I guess not grotesque. I guess um, blue. I guess would be the. But, yeah, yeah. For for whatever reason, British British sailors they need their sunberries, um, and then rum, and sodomy to keep them going. There you go. Oh, and the lash. Sorry. And the lash. <laughs> All right. Want to keep going? No, I wanted to keep talking about this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> of course I will. <laughs> I'm just gonna beat a dead joke till it's funny again. Okay. So uh, next, uh, Chirpit, sorry, Chirpit, sorry. Uh, Chirpa and Wicket um, want to kill the Mantigrew, but Logre has another plan. He wants to use a bar of soap to protect the sunberry plants, but the soap is made from the rare shadow root plant. It makes whatever it is washed with the soap invisible, but if you wash the soap away, the object reappears. The plan is now coat to coat all the bushes in the invisibility soap which i i guess for a cartoon is okay but if you've ever like done like any kind of like like remodeling and like painting around the house this is just seems like a like a real pain in the ass yeah um, we shouldn't get into the feasibility of this (laughs) basically this episode's about three bars of soap So, okay, so Wicked is given the job of uh, bathing the... I don't know, why do you keep on calling them wonklings? What what are they? Walklings, because E-walk. 
I hope you're putting your. I hope you feel like you've been put in your place. I'm looking it up. <laughs> you're right. Oh, I should. Oh, it's, it's recording. Wh- I'll get. <laughs> you want to isolate that so it's my ringtone? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right, Jamie. <laughs> okay, so. <clears throat> Wicked is given the job of babysitting and bathing the Wonklings. God damn it. Um, I'll do a find and replace. The Wonklings, instead of protecting the Sunberries. I, God, Sunberries sound like Crunchberries or something. No, I, I thought want, that too. I, no. I, I really had a hard time thinking that they weren't just Crunchberries. And if I had more time, I would have gotten the Oops All Crunchberries drop. <laughs> Like in there. Oops, all sunberries. Oops, all sunberries. <laughs> there, I changed. I changed them all to walkling. Okay. I always, I, I, I love that the like that 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 meme template where it's just like oops, all something. And I've seen it like oops, all war crimes or something like that. Um, so it should be like oops, all sunberries or oops, all wonklings. I realize you're not. The reason you're not laughing is because you're sick and you don't want to hurt your throat. So. I'm, on, laugh. I'm trying to stay on mute as much as I can because I keep coughing. So yeah. I apologize. I'm, that's all right. Matt's finding this hilarious. So now we uh, shift over to the Dulocs, and they're out gathering ingredients for some magic potions. The Dulocs are complaining about the flies and having to gather ingredients. So that's when the Dulocs spot the Ewoks washing in the river. Wicket and Nisa are trying to wash the walklings. The Dulocs want the Ewok soap to drive away bugs, so they decide to steal it. The shaman of the Dulocs falls in the river and encounters a hippo-like creature before running away. Uh, this creature is unknown in Wikipedia. So actually, I do. I forgot to that. It, it does. It's called the unidentified indoor river animal, but another source source calls it a blobby. B l b l o b b e. And it's a species of large semi-aquatic beasts. They were large enough to swallow a dewlock. So I just need to fix the Wikipedia entry. We don't get to name it. I'm pissed. Oh, you can make up other shit about it. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> so back at the dewlock swamp, the shaman is telling King Goresh of the dewlocks about the Ewok soap. Goresh is not... Uh, happy that they didn't get the soap. The shaman exaggerates the encounter, so King Goresh decides to mount an attack on the Ewoks and steal their soap. This is... This is this kind is of... The whole MacGuffin. The whole MacGuffin is just a bar of soap. That is, is, is cold kind of, this thing is just... I don't know, it gets convoluted but weird, and kind of weird, but it's it's the 80s. It's a cartoon. I'm just moving forward. So Wicket, Nisa, and the Walklings return to the village, and all the sunberry trees are invisible. Wicket asks about the other sunberries by the river. Logray, and like having a senior moment, says that he had forgotten all about those. Wicket volunteers to make those bushes invisible as well. Logray tells him that's fine, but they are low on soap now, and they're it's not, actually. It's not really Logray's fault he forgot. The person Logray ran against for shaman was also an eighty-year-old man. And so the Ewoks really didn't have a choice. <laughs> they had to pick one of the senile old doddering idiots. <laughs> I mean, I had, had to have like the young, young hotshot up and comer say like, what about all the other plants? He's like, oh shit, you're right. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a ridiculous thing. You're the fucking leader. You, you forgot about half your crops. What is your job? What would you say you do here? And he was probably busy because his, his, his uh, his son is a hunter and has very difficult time 
and does a lot of has a big sunberry problem. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so let's pull up before I get fired. <laughs> Once again, trusting young Ewoks with super important jobs. And so uh, now it goes to two two locks climbing rope, and they get into the Ewok village. They're going through Logray's hut. One of them um, messes with the top, um, releases some butterflies, and they're just randomly ransacking the place. One opens the bottle, and their face changes to a, kind of like a blonde-haired, blonde um, human-looking like creature, like very good-looking, but very like 80s-like guy who plays the guitar in Boston sort of look. Yeah, I was trying to... Th- yeah, that's a that's a decent description. <clears throat> and eventually they find the invisibility soap, thinking that it's Ewok soap, and they steal it and bring it back to the swamp. The Dulocs start using the soap, and the king and queen of the Dulocs start to disappear. They quickly figure out that the rules of the soap, that uh, they're not disappearing but becoming invisible, and they can wash it off to return to normal. King Goresh says that they can use their newfound invisibility to torment the Ewoks. I want to stop here for a second because okay. I do like that this is the direction the episode goes. This is basically the B plot too. The A plot is like this pterodactyl is going to come kill us. And we go on roughly an 18 minute diversion for a B plot about a bar of soap. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to tell what the A plot and the B plot is, but the stakes of the A plot is like a genocide. The stakes of the B plot is uh, Dulocs don't like flies. Yeah, Dulux we spend we spend ninety percent of the episode on the fly plot. <laughs> yeah, but I do like that the king isn't played as an idiot. He sees this as a tactical advantage and wants to deploy it immediately. It's really it's really cool writing in my mm-hmm. opinion because it's so easy, especially in this era to make the villain be a complete idiot and not figure out what's going on, not understand what he has. But, but King Goresh figures that out immediately and he's like, oh shit, we can like we can just use the soap and go anywhere we want. Let's go fuck up the Ewoks. Mm-hmm. They won't see us coming. It's great. And I give, I, this episode gets a lot of credit for me for how they wrote Goresh. A competent leader who won't forget about half of his crops. That's right. Okay, we came not... out on the side of the Dulox. That's yeah. right. I did it. All right, so uh, Wicked and Nisa are uh, working on the Sunbury trees, and they hear some Dulox. They go to investigate, but cannot see anyone. They return to the pot, and the Walklings has spilled the soapy water, and they didn't finish with the trees. And they're partially invisible now. Yeah. So at the village, several Dulox, now invisible, are in the village and just taunting the Ewoks, spilling bowls, smashing pots picking up Ewoks and dropping them into pots and making noises like this. Um, that, that sound effect's actually used multiple times. So uh, eventually when someone throws a bucket on, and one of the Dulocs is exposed. The Ewoks are confused with what happened. King Goresh poses as the tree spirits telling the Ewoks that the tree spirits are upset with the Ewoks and they have to leave the village. Logre and Chirpa don't believe this at all. They're very like um, they're very devout in their um, whatever uh, Ewok religion, you know. Yes, but once again, King Goresh coming with a competent plan. He's using their belief structure against them, mm-hmm. right? If there wasn't like a fucking priest there saying like, "Yeah, that's not it," right? Just just keep giving me your tithe, right? Don't worry about what what you think you heard the tree spirits say. Just, just donate to the church more. Yeah, yeah. If not for that, the 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 rank and file Ewok was falling for it. 
Mm-hmm. Like they were like they're like, oh, the tree spirits are mad at us, and the yeah. leaders who who have everything they gain by maintaining the status quo in their society and not letting people pull back the curtain on Oz, like the tree spirits, or they're they're like the tree spirits protect us. This is bullshit. Yeah. Now keep on giving us your sunberries and your chaste daughters. Yeah, so I'm, I'm once again coming down on King Goresh's side, right? <laughs> the Dulux apparently don't have these silly superstitions yeah. and um, can see through the lies of the Ewok government. <laughs> Did okay. the Ewoks ever land on um, the moon? I mean, they live on a moon, but maybe they fake the moon landing. <laughs> so what you're saying is we should do our own research and not just trust what chief chirpa and logray tell us yeah do your own research yeah <laughs> yeah logray spends how much time learning to help the ewoks and then you come in with your do your own research sort of thing <sighs> unbelievable i'm just asking questions mm, yes just you know, asking you know there's a phrase I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but there's a phrase in skepticism, in scientific skepticism, when someone says, I'm just asking questions, which is a a bullshit thing people say when they're trying to undermine like a sound scientific principle like global warming or something. They're like, Look, I'm just asking questions or vaccine safety. It's like, I'm just asking questions as if there's like a virtue in that. Mm-hmm. Um, scientists call that jacking off, just asking questions, J-A-Q-I-N-G. <laughs> Just asking questions. Yeah, you're jacking off, right? You're not actually helping anybody. You're doing this for yourself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Don't okay. play. Don't play this play. God damn it! <laughs> I invited this hell. Hey, I'm just asking questions. I invited this hell. I invited it. It's my fault. Yeah. Yeah. You do lot brain lurdo. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna use that more often now. Um, okay. We need to make we need to make the I'm with Lurdo t shirt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can since you're since you're going to I C C C C C C uh no, it's only three C's, right? Um you can, you can make that shirt. Yeah, I will. That's a good idea. And get some, get some for the boys too. A whole family wearing "I'm with Lurdo" t-shirts. There we go. She'll yeah. love it. Yeah. And then uh, just get your wife a, a shirt that's just like, oh, it's misprinted. It just says Lurdo. Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! Don't take this the wrong way, but I'm taking relationship advice. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. It's your funeral. All right, so Wicket returns with the Walklings partially invisible. They see the Dulac tracks and some smashed berries. Lowgrade puts it all together. Um, they're now out of soap, though, and they didn't finish hiding the trees, and the Manticore will be coming back. Lowgrade is now very worried. At Morag's lair, she tells her pet that the Ewoks will be destroyed tomorrow. Yeah, we have to check in with Morag because she was in the first 30 seconds of the episode and we haven't seen her at all. And now we're in minute 18. Yeah, she's Chekhov's Morag. So, Logre and uh, Chirpa are discussing the situation. Wicket and Nisa say that the Dulocks are always covered in bugs and don't care about soap. Logre tells Wicket and Nisa to go out with their friends and gather as many bugs as possible. 
which they also say that we would have just given them given it to them if they had asked yeah i want to talk about that and sort of the discussion because i think that's a very interesting point but but it, it makes them seem very wholesome and altruistic but what they end up doing to the dulocs is like chemical warfare yeah yeah, they're like, they're like we would have given it to them, but I guess now we're going to burn their villages. Yeah. <laughs> it's like like you brought a knife to a gunfight, dumb green bastard, <laughs> Grinch looking motherfuckers. We're going to destroy your culture. Yeah, because <laughs> you because you stole soap from us. You didn't know what you were stealing. At the Duloc Swamp, the elders send Wicket into the camp to get the invisibility soap and replace it with a red bar of soap. Good. Uh, I won't say parenting, but good. Um, that's just. They give a reason, though. I mean, yeah. they say he's small enough to sneak by, but they're all really small. It's it's shitty. Yeah. It, he's the main character. They got to give him the action. Yeah, it's like, okay, listen, Timmy, only you're small enough. Your, your hands are small enough to get in to defuse that landmine. Go for it. Mando sends Grogu into the guts of, of the uh, Razor Crest to rewire it. <laughs> right? Yeah. That doesn't go out go well for Grogu either. But so King Garesh wants the Dulox to return to the village and drive the Ewoks out once and for all. While giving his speech, Wicked is trying to switch the soap out, but he's caught. When King Garesh sees an Ewok in their swamp, he yells at Paplu and Paplu blows a horn. The Dulox are yelling and chasing Wicked. Uh, he has the soap and he tosses it to Paplu. Uh, Paplu tosses it to Tebow, who tosses it to Weechi. He drops it, and it ends up in the river while several Ewoks, Dulocs and Ewoks fight for it. Yeah, Weechi, Weechi drops the soap. <laughs> Technically, it just doesn't it just like bonk him in the head. Yeah, it's funny to say he drops the soap, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Weechi, Weechi totally whiffs it. Like, if they throw it to him, and it like bounces off his head, like you said, and it like rolls down the hill into the swamp, or into the river. Yeah. So the slope... Uh, sorry, slope... <laughs> The soap floats down to the river and Wicket picks it up. When King Goresh is shaking Wicket upside down, Wicket drops the decoy soap and King Goresh thinks it's the invisibility soap. No, Wicket drops the soap. Mm. Yeah, so all the Dulocs start bathing in the river. Logre tells the children to release all the bugs they have in the sacks. The decoy soap attracts bugs and the Dulocs are covered in flies. So, yeah, so this is a good parenting. Like... Yeah, so so this is this is where the juxtaposition I was talking about comes in, right? Where it was Chirper, Low Gray said, like those thieving bastards, we would have just given them soap as they asked. But since they didn't ask and they stole from us, we're going to release a horde of flies on them, which is is biological or chemical warfare. Like it is a wild overreaction to someone stealing a bar of soap. <laughs> as far as I can tell, they could have resolve this by just handing them a case of soap like yeah. here's here's 10 bars of soap right give us back the soap this the soap will keep your bugs away and then you're then you're building bridges and mending this relationship and being an asshole yeah the i also noticed um the dulocs seem like remind me a lot of uh like the way they act and they're kind of like um except for like king Goresh, but they're very much kind of like they're, the swamp is like a big flop house where they're all just drug addicts, just incompetent, looking for little bugs or whatever, and just like stupid and like yelling at each other. So we're not watching these close together at all um, because of the die rolling, but we did watch these 
like seven years ago together um, in sequence. But the first episode, we see very few Dulocs. It's more about Morag, and like Dulocs are basically doing errands for her. And she actually has like Yuzums doing things for her. Um, this is this is the first time we see like Duloc culture, and it is like I don't know, dirty, swampy, gross people. Mm-hmm. Like so. it's 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 hard. It's like I don't know if they're like portraying them like like these are like trailer park trash versus like the Ewoks who are like upper middle class, like have their shit together, and these people are like like trying to. They're all in trucker speed and. <laughs> <laughs> and but it's it just doesn't feel right to me to when the Ewoks were like 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 we're, we're compassionate um fuck them up yeah right especially like fuck them up kids right? you're really teaching your kids that that Dulocs aren't worth your time mm-hmm. anyway I'll stop I'll stop preaching from the Dulock <laughs> point of view it just I think I think the Dulocs are are relatively sympathetic characters in this episode even if they're they're like, bunch they're just a bunch of tweakers looking for copper. Yeah, and, yeah, sure. They stole your they stole your car battery, but like, no, come on, they're, they're dealing converter. with some shit. Well, like, I would be pissed if someone stole my catalytic converter. I'd be way less pissed if someone stole my car battery. You can get you can get like thirty bucks for a car battery. I don't know. How, I don't know how much you get for a catalytic converter. Probably a lot more than thirty bucks, though. Hmm. I've never thought about stealing car batteries, but now I have been looking for a way to supplement my income. That's in Rec Room for a Dream. Um, the main character steals car batteries to like pay for like supplement his income. I've blocked a lot of that movie out of. Yeah, I wish I could. How oh, my memory works. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could forget shit. Yeah, there. It, all I remember is just it, it ends on a real bummer. <laughs> like and like, I don't want to ever watch and watch this movie again. Ass to ass. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it. You set the tone for this episode. Uh, okay. Let's finish right. up. Okay, so now that they've defeated the Dulocs, um, the the, the mana uh, the mana group is still coming. The soap was dissolved in a puddle dur- during the battle. Wicked scoops up the water into a bag. Back at the Sunberries, he pokes holes in the bag and swings by a vine, uh, dropping the shadow soap water onto the bushes, just like this. Oh, yeah! I'm not gonna do. It. I'm not gonna have to do any drop work in this episode because it's no. all done. Yeah, and um, the bush and the bushes disappear. The man uh, group looks like it's gonna attack Widget, but it just sorry Wicket, but it just circles, uh, looking for the bushes, then flies away. And once again, I th- I'm not sure if it's meant that it just it comes and just like the sun, it, the sun it it's blocks out the sun. Because uh, it's so big, or it's just somehow it has some sort of magical effect where it becomes darker. Yeah, I tried to look it up um, because this is a very obvious thing that happens the two times it's on screen with the Ewoks, and there's nothing in there about it affecting the sun, so it has to be like a size thing. But I just it's very it's it's very obvious artistic choice when it's with the Ewoks that it gets darker, mm-hmm. and it's um, yeah it's just very, it's a very interesting choice. Because when I first saw it, I was like, "Like, what's going on? Is this a dream?" It almost looked like we see dreams in the Ewok shows. We saw it in the first episode, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's just like muted colors and it looks darker, um, and it looks like that. And so I was like, "Oh, is this one start with like a dream where they get attacked by a pterodactyl?" I was like, "No, it really fucking happens." And then later they come back again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
and it happens again, but there's nothing in Wikipedia about them impacting like light. So it must just be an artistic choice about telegraphing what's going on or them blocking out the sun or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, um, it, it ends up flying away and the, the Ewoks declare uh, today a holiday. Uh, Nisa cuddles up to uh, Wicket. Uh. <laughs> and, um, but then uh, Wicket jumps into one of the invisible bushes to confirm that the invisible sunberries taste just uh, like visible sunberries. Um, except for it's covered in soap. Kind of gross. Um, so, the end. Um, so, what do you think? So, I'm going to grade these on a... I'm going to grade these on a curve. Um, so, since I knew that we were watching Ewoks episode, I watched a bunch of them. Uh, I just sat down with the boys, and we watched like six or seven of them um, while Chrissy was gone. And this is one of my... This is one of the better ones. I'll put it that way. <laughs> it's got a cool plot. It's got... It makes sense for the most part. It's not clear what's going on with Morag. Like she's the, she's clearly the threat. We don't spend any time with her to understand her, mm-hmm. her motivation. I know in a previous episode, which will only appear appear on our Patreon patron, a patron um, feed, we speculated that because of some some stuff that comes up in later episodes, you and I speculated that Morag and Logre used to fuck in college, <laughs> and Morag's motivation is entirely um, because they broke up and she never got over it. I mean, just look at him. I know, I know. Like, I'm a bearded guy too. <laughs> Ladies love it. <laughs> um, actually, had to shave my beard today because I got a new beard trimmer and I fucked it up. And I was like, "Well, nope, start over." Yeah, I hate when that happens because then it shows, and then it shows off my fat neck, and I'm just like, "Ugh!" I just can't wait for the beard to come back in because no matter how much I run or exercise, there's certain parts of like fat that just don't go away anymore. And your neck is one of them? Mm-hmm. Mm, weird. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I, like, maybe, like, I stranded myself out in the desert or something. Don't do that. Yeah. We have a recording schedule to stick to. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know. that's, why, that's why I care about your health. Yeah. Actually, no, I take that back. Um, I'm dealing with some shit. Take care of yourself, right? Yeah. I don't think I can take a hit, another hit this week, so... Um, yeah. What did you think of it, though? I thought it was overall, it was fine. Um, for a, a children's cartoon, it was fine. It the, from the eighties too. Yeah, the like, the plan makes Muppet babies and and Smurfs and gummy bears and shit like that, right? The, the plan makes absolutely no sense because they're they're screwed the second it rains. Um, Good call. They, they just they're just gonna leave them like that forever. Um, then she just like gives up and then. Every few years, she decides that she's gonna try the. She's got a, she's got kind of like a a, a big um. Oh, uh, what do you call that? Um, the wheel on the Price is Right. Oh, uh, I don't know what it's called, but that's like a showcase showdown sort of. Yeah, wheel. where she she spins the wheel, deciding okay, like what thing am I gonna use to like fuck with the Ewoks? And well, so Low Gray sort of implies that she's not gonna be happy when the Mantigrew returns without any sunberry bushes. So I assume that in her rage, she kills it. Mm. But then what happened to the previous one? Good, good point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, she can like put them into indefinite hibernation. I don't know. Mm. 
I didn't write the fucking show. Let me call. Let me call Paul. <laughs> yeah, you got him. Got him on let me. Let me text him. Let me text him. <laughs> Yo, Paulie. He used to. Here's here's the fucked up thing. I didn't, I don't think I ever told you this. Paul used to follow us on Twitter, and he doesn't anymore. Oh, whoops. So, that was like fucking years ago. That was like seven years ago. I used to tag him in fucking everything, and he followed us on Twitter for a little bit. He might be another. He might be another person that won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> He might have he might have heard something he didn't like in one of those early episodes. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. We got journalistic integrity. We're not going to go back on our. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> I've got too much journalistic integrity. My wife, the journalist, is going to come come down here and stab me in the back right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we shit on your life's work, but it's. Oh, I don't think that, I don't. Oh, I know. I know you're making a joke. That's not what we do. Like we don't we don't shit on like his life's work. I I love his life's work, right? But, but we're hypercritical of mistakes, mm-hmm. like of like not mistakes, but like tone. And we want to understand the history, including like the ugly part of the history. And people can't um, people can't talk about it. I just realized. I just realized. I was looking back at at, at the people from Nirvana who won't talk to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that she gave me her personal phone number. I haven't called it ever. How insane would it be if I fucking called Clive Smith's wife this week to try to talk to her? Do you think she would just fucking lose it? Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's just, uh, just, uh, as we say to our kids, Elsa up, let it go. (laughs) That's, that would be, oof, yeah. That would that would be kind of mean. But um, so do we? Uh, do we want to rank? Uh, do we want to rank these the way we normally do? Did we do it with the last time we did it? Yeah, we did it last time we did it. Okay. So all right. So now's the time um, in our episode where we will rank an episode. We rank episodes based on. Uh, Star Wars characters. So an original trilogy character would mean a great episode. So Han, Luke, Leia. A bad episode would warrant somebody who's just completely worthless. Star Wars would just keep on chugging without them. You would like you would never know they didn't exist. Um. So Matt, what do you uh, what do you give this episode? I'm going to give it to King Goresh. Okay. He was the hero of this episode. Stand up for his people. Fighting oppression, trying to get what was, what was rightfully his, and um, using superstition against people. I I actually like this episode. Um, I like the series in general. I like these old cartoons. I know they're problematic, like from a plot point of view, from like a continuity point of view, and from a bunch of other things. I know people don't like them, but like going back and watching these actually makes me excited. Yeah, it's also it's also connected to like you and me. Because when we started doing this, and we're like, we're like, oh, we should do droids, just to like figure out how to do this. Like, it makes me when I watch a droids episode, I just like remember those early recordings we did that no one's ever listened to. Which was like, like those were fun shows. It's like mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out what it was, and it's like, like we almost immediately landed on exactly what this show was going to be about, and just so cool. And and King Goresh is a wonderful character, so that's what I'm giving it. Okay. Um... Oh, now I, I, I feel bad for the one I was going to give. Um, so I'll go with uh, a Lobot. It's, um... I'm not trying to bully you. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it's like that's the way my my wife says. Like, oh, there's, she's like, I ask if something's wrong, and then she's like, oh, nothing. Okay, there's obviously something wrong. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay, well, now I have to shut down everything that I am doing and figure out what's going on for the rest of the you night. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So I give this one a Lobot because I, I like the character Lobot. Um, lesser character that's only – he's only in a handful of um, material, um, canon materials. But um, it's, kind of, it's kind of a fun character for them. Um, and a little, little silly because his name's Lobot because lobotomy. Um, but um, yeah, whatever. All right, so um, I guess that's before the we, end of the. Ep- well, oh. before we before we get out, I do wanna I do wanna talk about just for two minutes. Back to sort of the origin of the meaning of these of these cartoon series from the eighties. Um, I found this great quote from Lucas from back then. I'm just going to read the quote. It says, I've always been interested in animation. And again, it's a chance to experiment with ideas and new people in Star Wars and characters. The Star Wars world is much easier to deal with in animation. You can be much more flexible in development of ideas. I've put off doing it for years because I didn't have the time. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I have I have this annoying online persona, especially on Twitter, where I'm constantly saying Star Wars animation is peak Star Wars. It's not something I necessarily agree, uh, believe or agree with. I feel like it's a, a character I'm playing online to promote our show and promote this segment of Star Wars. We've talked about this, especially in the Tartavosky stuff. You can do shit in animation you can't do in live action. Star oh, Wars is perfect for animation. And these early experiments in animation, even if they failed, quote-unquote failed, like... Ewoks produced 35 episodes, right? I don't know if you call that a failure or not, but but even if they failed, it's still super important that that we that this, these exist, that these led to things like Tartavosky, like the Clone Wars series, that that Lucas, even coming off of the scorn of the holiday special, still liked the Nelvana product in it. Enough to continue the development of these products into droids and Ewoks. And I think these things are, are unfairly maligned. They're products of their time. They're made they're made by studios that were young, by people who didn't quite understand what a good cartoon was at a time where nobody was making good cartoons. Because these are up these are up against like gummy bears and Smurfs. Those aren't good cartoons. Yeah, I, I would be I'd be interested um, finding out when because it's it seems like the um, like, 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 because all of a sudden, like, start like uh, there's a certain point where you, um, you start seeing cartoons from Japan that were not like, not like the normal like uh, ones we get in the U.S. That they were very kind of like they're just kind of like whoa, wow, this is this is more than just fluff to sell things. I would argue that Paul did some of that for the U.S. because that Batman series. You're, you're talking about like when you when you get into the 90s, sorry, when you get into the 90s, you got the Batman animated series that is doing crazy stuff, not heavily marketed from like a toy point of view. They definitely had toys. It's not a heavily toy marketed thing. It's just good writing. It's good storytelling. Then you had like things like gargoyles and stuff like that. And then you lead into like the Animaniacs and things like that. History of history of U.S. animation like really changes in the 90s 
from these little things to sell cereal and toys and pajamas to like six-year-olds to a relatively sophisticated project product where you guess it's marketed but like the x-men series was a paper-thin allegory for racism mm-hmm. like x-men generally are but like you had you had like in that first season of x-men you had a character called morph who could change his shape he impersonates a senator to they kidnap a senator he impersonates a senator to change his vote on a bill coming up about mutant rights and just like like this is not a plot for kids like yes show it to kids because you're brainwashing them into being progressives right that's good <laughs> right but but they're like you you do flip a switch like this is no longer about selling oops all berries captain <laughs> crunch cereal right this is about like like teaching social values and things in cartoons like like all good sci-fi is it's an allegory for the current state of the world and that's what's cool about cartoons like it gives you this endless platform to show you fantastic things but it boils down to like this really humanist message and i think that i think paul dini deserves a lot of credit for that okay be on the show paul <laughs> follow us on twitter again you're still listening yes cool all right well uh do you want me to play us out yeah play us out please okay cool all right well uh we'll be back with uh, back to the uh, Clone Wars, uh, finishing off the Ryloth. Um, Liberty on Ryloth. Right. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochvaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da